we just a shout of praise to you this morning for you are good God we lift your name on high Lord and Lord we thank you that you are in this place Lord, we thank you that you are Emmanuel, God with us. And Jesus, today we are excited to be in your presence. There's nowhere we'd rather be, Lord, than worshiping your name, Jesus. This morning, we thank you that you are in our midst. And Lord, we look forward to hearing your instruction for our lives today. Lord, we pray, Lord, we thank you that your word illuminates the path before us. Lord, making crooked paths straight. And Lord, this morning, we come around your word with an expectation to receive, with an expectation for your word to change us from the inside out. So Lord, I pray this morning that you would use my words, Lord, to encourage, to strengthen, to bring direction and guidance. And Lord, that you would be in our midst this morning in Jesus' name. And everyone said? Amen. Well, it is so good to see you. You may take your seats. So we are going to carry on this morning as we begin looking at a, a message that I started last week, which was all around integrity. So we're going to continue looking at this this week. And you'll recall from last week, we talked about the fact that we are living in a culture and a society that is moving away from the foundations of the Word of God. God. We're moving away from the foundations that our country was established on. We're living in a culture, in a society where there are no longer moral absolutes, where truth is relative and where laws are being changed to represent popular thought. And yet in the midst of a society that is changing, in the midst of a society that is shifting, God's word for you and I remains the same. God's word doesn't shift, it doesn't adapt, it doesn't change based on the thoughts of the culture that it's in. But no, God's word remains the same. And last week you'll recall that we began looking at scriptures that describe the God in which we serve. The fact that he is the same yesterday, today and forever. The fact that there is no shadow of change with him. And we began to look at the fact that the word of God declares that God's ways for our lives are perfect. And his word for our lives is proven. How different it is, hey, than what the thoughts and ideas of culture is. Proverbs 14, 12 says this. There is a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way of death. But do you know what? God will never lead you or I on a path to destruction. God will never lead you or I to a dead end. When we choose to follow the word of God for our lives, when we choose to stand in agreement with the word of God, we will see that our lives will flourish. Our lives will go from strength to strength because God's call for our lives remains the same. And last week, we looked at the fact that God calls us to follow him and he calls us to become more like him. So last week, we began to look at how can we live right? How should we live? If we are called to follow him, what does that look like on a day-to-day -day basis? 
And we began to explore from Philippians 2 verse 15, where Paul says, live clean, innocent lives as children of God, shining like bright lights in a world full of crooked and perverse people. We began to see how God calls us to live. The fact he calls us to live clean and innocent lives. And we began to look at the whole way in which we could live clean, innocent lives. And we began to explore that vital aspect of our lives called integrity. And we are going to carry on looking at this today. Last week, we saw that what integrity means. We talked and discussed at the fact that integrity means undivided. It means without blemish. It means complete. It means whole. It means honest. And we saw and were encouraged by the fact that even if we have not been surrounded by great role models in our lives that would show us and point the way to live a life full of integrity, we were encouraged by the fact that actually this walk that we are called to walk is not dependent on the voices that have spoken into our lives thus far. When we ask Jesus into our lives... We only have two things on which we need to depend on in order to be able to walk with integrity. First of all, we depend and rely on the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit will teach us and guide us as to how we should live. The Holy Spirit will be the compass and will navigate us if we will heed his voice. He will show us how to live. And secondly, we saw that the word of God will illuminate the path and the and for us because God's word is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. God's word will direct us in the way that he wants us to go. So we discovered all of that and last week we began to build up a character profile of what a person of integrity looks like. And we looked at five aspects last week, and we're going to continue to explore that this week. We talked last week at the fact that a person of integrity is a person with strong convictions and determination of heart. A person of integrity keeps their word. They keep their promises. They have one standard, and they are honest. And this morning, we're going to continue to explore some more attributes of a person of integrity. And then we're going to finish off looking at the rewards and the benefits of, for our lives in being a person of integrity. So we're going to kick straight into it, looking at our sixth point today. And that is a person of integrity walks in and speaks the truth. Let's be honest, this is not something that comes easy to us. Being dishonest is not often a learned behavior. It's just who we are. You'll probably think about times when you were growing up as a child and listening to a parent or a carer or a school teacher saying to you, now I want you to tell me the truth. Why is that? It's because we're great at coming up with new things to try and bend the rules so that we don't look bad. And people along the way have had to say, no, tell me the truth, because dishonesty is something that we don't find difficult to do. 
And what I love is that the fact that the Bible doesn't sweep this whole idea of dishonesty under the carpet, but the Bible actually is brutally honest in revealing the failures of our heroes of faith concerning lying and concerning dishonesty. We look at Abraham and Sarah and Moses. We look at Aaron and Isaac and Rebecca and Jacob and Rachel and David and Peter. And they all struggled in this area. But God doesn't just ignore our struggle and say, oh, well, let's just leave them to it. No, the Bible has a voice to talk to us with regards to our struggles. The Bible wants to help us in the midst of our struggle. And so we would do well to heed the instruction of the Word of God concerning our struggles. For instance, Paul talks about this whole idea of dishonesty. And he says in Ephesians 4.25, he doesn't mince his words. He comes straight to the point and he says this, so stop telling lies. Let us tell our neighbors the truth, for we are all parts of the same body. Paul doesn't kind of say, oh, it's okay. He says, no, just stop it. That is the word of God for you and I. We are not to lie. So if we're not to lie, let's just take a step back. What will the starting point of us living truthful lives be? And I want to say to you today, the starting point for us to be able to live lives that are truthful, where we walk in the truth, is falling in love with Jesus. That is the starting point of being and walking in truth. Falling in love with Jesus and allowing the gospel to change and transform us from the inside out. Walking in truth will become part of our walk because it is who God is. God is the one true God. His word is true. Jesus was and is the truth. And the Holy Spirit is known as the spirit of truth. So God is truth through and through. And because of that, we can expect to begin to walk in this because he asks us and he tells us that he is going to conform us to his image. So if he is true, then that will become the attribute that if we will allow the word of God and the work of the Holy Spirit to work within us, that will be the thing that will be reflected from our lives too. Lying doesn't have any place in our lives anymore when we invite Jesus into our lives. It may have formed part of the way that we used to live, the old part of our lives, our old nature. But Paul again frankly tells us what we are to do with our old nature. In Ephesians 4, 21, he says this, Since you have heard about Jesus and have learned the truth that comes from him, throw off 
your old sinful nature and your former way of life, which is corrupted by lust and deception. So each day we have a decision to make. And Paul doesn't say, take off your old life. He actually says, throw it off. Get it as far away from you as possible. Don't let it hang around your feet. No, this is the old you. The new you is a new creation in Christ Jesus. This is where we are to walk. So don't allow that old nature to hang alongside you anymore. Throw it off. Throw it off. I heard a story of a man that went into a store to buy some stuff and when the cashier gave him the change, the cashier gave him too much change. So the gentleman said, oh, you've given me too much change here, have this back. And the cashier said to him, thank goodness that you're so honest. And the guy with the right understanding of who he was replied back to her, I'm not honest by nature. I would have ripped you off. But Jesus Christ is now my Savior and Lord, and it's him that makes me honest. Jesus transforms us. Our nature is full of sin and corruption, but Jesus is the one that changes us from the inside out. So living in the truth, walking in the truth, acting out the truth, and speaking the truth is all part of the fabric of our being when we become followers of Jesus. So we know that God is truth, and we know that his nature becomes our nature. So the next question I want us to consider is this. What is going to keep us walking in the truth on a daily basis? Because the reality is, life is going to surround us, and life will try to, and circumstances will try to attack us in living out this life of truth. So what is going to be the thing that is going to motivate us to live in the truth on a daily basis? We know Paul said in verse 25, stop telling lies, reject all falsehood. But I love that the verse, verse before, he actually gives us the reason and the motivation for us to be able to stop telling lies. In verse 24 of Ephesians 4, he says this, and put on the new self, the regenerated, the renewed nature, created in God's image, godlike, in the righteousness and holiness of the truth, living in a way that expresses to God your gratitude for your salvation. The motivation for us to walk day by day in this truth is a motivation to live a life that is pleasing and glorifying to God. That is our motivation. That is the thing that we need to remember day by day, that the words of our mouth and the meditations of our heart would be acceptable to the Lord. We are designed to live in a way that would glorify God. And that's a very different motivation to the motivation that we may have had to be truthful prior to it accepting Jesus. Because I'm not suggesting that there aren't truthful people in the society in which we live. Because there are. There are people that are truthful. But the motivation is very different. 
prior to accepting Jesus, we may have been truthful from a place and a motivation of being morally correct. For us knowing that what we say is true. Or we may have been truthful from a place of fear of shame. Shame and being found out to be lying. Or even from a place of fear because of punishment. I know that this is wrong and I fear being punished and therefore I will speak and live the truth. But that is a very different way of living to the way that the believer and the follower of Jesus would live. Our motivation to tell the truth and to live in the truth is no longer about being morally correct. It's no longer from a, from a motivation of fear of punishment or shame. No, for the believer, our motivation to live in the truth is from a position of pleasing and glorifying the God, expressing our thankfulness to him for all that he's done. And that is a game changer. When we have that as the motivation for us living in the truth, that makes all the difference. So what does it look like to live in the truth? Living in the truth is conforming to God's standards that are outlined in his word. When we speak the truth, we accurately represent all of the facts. And Paul clearly stated in verse 25, stop telling lies. But I wanna to say to you today, Telling lies isn't just about, he's not just talking about one aspect, like the big lies, you know, where it's a blatant lie. But lying has many deceptive, softer forms as well. And we need to be aware of it because all aspects of lying are to go, not just the big stuff, we're to throw out all aspects. So what other aspects could there be concerning lying? Well, telling a half truth is a lie. You know when you tell the story and it's all very factual, but you just forget to mention certain aspects? That is telling a half-truth. That is not representing the facts accurately. Therefore, that is a lie. You know if we don't feel very well one day and we ring up work and we say, I can't come into work today, I don't feel well. Yet, yeah, you may have told the truth, but what you didn't say was, even though I don't feel well, I am well enough to come into um, to work. I just would rather a duvet day. You've not lied, but you've just omitted the bits that seem to serve your purpose well. So half-truths are lies. And we're not to have any part of lying. So that means that if we're going to say something, represent all the facts. Don't omit things to serve our purpose. Bending the truth. You know, when 90% of the facts are quite accurate, there's just maybe a few discrepancies in what we've said. And we think, oh, do you know what? Well, we've, we've mainly told the truth. No, if we bend the truth, it's still a lie. 
100% truth, 100% of the time. Because God does not bend the truth with us. God does not give us 90%. No, he gives us 100%. And he said, you follow him that way. We don't bend the truth. We don't exaggerate either. Have you ever thought of exaggeration as being a lie? I mean, it happens all around us, but the reality is an exaggeration is a lie. If we say something to somebody and we exaggerate the truth in order to make us look better, or perhaps in order to evoke more sympathy, then we are outright lying. There's no you know, shades of gray with this, it's either you're lying or you're telling the truth. So exaggeration should form no part of our conversation. And then we've got the whole idea of those silent lies. You know, maybe when somebody talks about something you've supposedly done and you know you haven't done it, but gosh, it makes you sound so good to the other people that are listening. So you think, oh, I just won't say anything. I'll just, I'll let it go under the radar. I won't correct it. Well, no, those silent lies are still lies. If somebody ha thinks you've done something that you haven't or they have, they're blagging you up and really praising you and you know it's not quite accurate, well, to just ignore it, that is lying too. So the Bible says, just don't do it. So I want to give us some top tips for telling the truth because God wants us to live and walk in the truth. The first thing that I want to say is this. Truthfulness is the foundation for which our relationships are built. Truthfulness is the foundation. So if we lie, if we tell half-truths, if we bend the truth, if we exaggerate the truth, then we are actually destroying the bedrock of the foundations from which we are living and establishing a relationship from. Augustine in his book Confessions said this, I have had experience of many who wished to deceive, but no one who wished to be deceived. Don't allow our relationships to be corrupted for trust to be removed as a result of lying and dishonesty because it will sabotage the things that God has placed in our lives that are so precious. But let our relationships be based on truthfulness and honesty and integrity. The second thing I want to say is make a decision to speak the truth before the situation occurs to tell a lie. Make that decision. Like I said, this old way of doing things needs to be thrown away. We are now new creatures in Christ. The old has gone and the new has become. So we have to not give in to the temptation to lie. And one way that we can do that is by waking up every day and saying, I refuse to not tell the truth. I refuse to tell a lie. Make a decision. Be firm with yourself. Bring yourself in order and say, I'm not going to lie. I'm not going to tell a half truth. I'm not going to bend the truth. I'm not going to exaggerate. I'm just not going to do it today. 
And you know what? You'll probably find that it's not as easy as you thought. Because the reality is, is that so often our lives are built around little truths, little half-truths. They're built around little things. And we become habitual sometimes in lying and we don't realize how often we do it. But I would encourage each one of us, if we will make a decision each day to say, no, I am not going to lie then yes, it may be a challenge. And yes, you may find yourself having to kind of step back and go, oh my gosh, I can't believe that nearly slipped out of my mouth then. Oh my gosh, God, I nearly said that. But you will consciously be aware of this. But given time, the more that you make a decision to walk in the truth and speak the truth, you will be surprised how much easier it will become and it will almost become um, more like second nature to you when you decide, actually, I refuse to speak the truth. I, I refuse to lie. So, my gosh, don't do that. So make a decision to speak the truth before the occasion arises to tell a lie. And then finally, I want to say, make a decision to tell the truth even when it makes you look bad. Oh. Nobody wants to be in this position, do we? We never want to look bad. I don't want to look bad in front of people. But the reality is we often lie because truth exposes our sin. Or because we fear what will happen if we are honest. But we need to make a decision to be honest about everything. And do you know what? When we make this decision, it's a humbling thing. But do you know what? That decision to tell the truth, even if it makes you look bad, will hold us to account for our actions and our words. Because if we have to lie to ex because we don't want our sin exposed, then that means we have done something justifiably wrong for which we should face a consequence. So if we make a decision, actually, I'm not going to lie, even if I'm going to end up looking bad, it will cause us to think before we do something that is wrong, it will make us think, actually, if I do this and if I get found out, then I'm going to put my hands up and say, I did it. So make a decision to tell the truth even if it makes you feel bad or look bad, will actually cause us to rein in our actions, rein in our tongue, and really consider what we are doing because we are making a decision, hey, I will not lie. The seventh thing that I want us to look at concerning being a people of integrity is that a person with integrity speaks well of others. We place a guard on our conversations because we understand and recognize the importance of our words. We understand that the Bible says that the power of life and death is in the tongue. We understand that there can be a great impact, not only on our lives, but in the lives of others when our mouths are left free reign. James 3.10 says this, And so blessing and cursing come pouring out of the same mouth. Surely, my brothers and sisters, this is not right. 
we need to think carefully about the words that we use in relation to other people. So I've got some top tips for us to help us to speak well of others. And this is the first one. Choose only to speak well of others in front of other people. Just make that a decision. I am not going to speak badly about somebody. I'm not going to slate them. I am not going to criticize them. I'm not going to grumble about them. I will only use my words to speak well about somebody. Make that decision. David describing the person whose character would dwell with the Lord said this in Psalm 15 verse 2. It's those who lead blameless lives and do what is right. Speaking the truth from a sincere heart. Those who refuse to gossip or harm their neighbors or speak evil of their friends. Those things have no place in our lives as followers of Jesus. They may have been part of the old way that we did things, but no, no, no. We've got a higher standard from which we've been guided to live now. I can remember as a teenager being in high school and um, I can remember just, just being in amongst people and being taught this in church and then listening, listening to the conversations that were being had in between lessons, listening to the conversations with my friends when we were hanging out for lunch. And I could not believe how much our words were used to pull people down, how much our words were to speak negatively, to gossip about people. And I made a decision based on what the word of God said. And I thought, I am not going to gossip. I am not going to gossip because there is no place for gossip in my life as a believer. Nowhere in the word of God will you see God directing us to gossip or badmouth somebody else. Nowhere. And do you know what? I found it a real challenge. I may have only been about 15, but it's surprising what a great habit you can get into at 15 speaking badly about other people. It's surprising how much if you listen to conversations, people don't have a lot of good to say. And I made a decision, I'm not going to take part. And if I heard my friends chattering badly, I would choose to speak well of the person they were speaking about. I would choose to counteract it and say something good about that person. Or there were times where I would just walk away from the conversation because I thought I am not allowing my ears to hear these kind of things. It is not uplifting and it is not glorifying to God and therefore I will not play any part. And I can remember consciously saying I will not gossip because God doesn't want us to gossip. So if, it, if it's not good and it doesn't encourage just don't say it. Ephesians 4.29 says this, let everything you say be good and helpful so that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. That's easy, hey? Just don't allow your mouth to be a sewer. If it's not going to build up, don't say it. Why do we want, why are we intent? I'm bringing people down. We're talking about God's creation here. 
And people aren't perfect, but do you know what? There's great things in every person if we will choose to look for them. Sometimes we focus too much on bad things and we forget to actually build up. We forget to actually elevate those good things about people. Speak good. Speak good. Don't allow our mouths to sow seed into our future that will reap a harvest that we're not going to like. Because the reality is our words are like seed. And if we choose to sow critical seed, if we choose to sow gossip, if we choose to spread rumors, then why would we be surprised when all of a sudden we reap that harvest for our lives and we go, oh God, this isn't right. What have people done? No, you've sown. You've sown your own harvest. No, we sow seeds that are going to reap a good harvest, that are going to yield a good harvest, seeds that are going to flourish and grow, seeds that are good. We sow those words. That's what we sow. Now, the reality is in life that we're not all perfect, hey? We're not. We're going to mess up. We're going to do things that will offend. We may sin against somebody. We may hurt them. And the Bible shows us and helps us understand how we deal with those situations. This is what it says in Matthew 18. If another believer sins against you, go privately and point out the offense. I'm so God, glad that God gives us that. Because I don't know about you, pack culture is kind of the thing that we're great. We're great at gathering an audience around us, get a few friends to come, a bit of strength in numbers. And I'm going to do this and I'll say this. And they're going, yeah, yeah, yeah. And we feel all a bit strong and on our high horse as we begin laying into somebody else because they've done something wrong. But the Bible doesn't say to do that. The Bible doesn't say, before you go to that person, have a little natter with your friends about that person and what they've done that's wrong or caused you an offense. That's not what the Bible says. That's the old way of life. Now, the Bible says if somebody has sinned against you, we go privately to them, not in front of other people so they're looking, we're not there to embarrass somebody. Hey, it's going to be us one day that we're probably going to have to have the chat with because we're not perfect. So we go privately and we, we point out the offense. And then I also love the fact that the Bible just doesn't leave it there because the Bible knows our tendency. So God even gives us direction as to how we speak to that person when we go to them privately. Ephesians 4:15 says this, instead when we speak the truth no, instead we will speak the truth in love. A little heart goes around that word. We'll speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of his body, the church. Notice the Bible doesn't say we will speak the truth with coldness of heart. We will speak the truth in anger. We will speak the truth to wound or to hurt. No, we will speak the truth in love, which means that we have to head back 
and really think about the conversation we're about to have. And we need to look at Corinthians 13 about what love is. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not self-seeking. So when we approach that person because they've sinned against us, we go with forgiveness in our heart. We go to win that person. We go patiently with kindness. We go graciously. We don't go like Peter who lobbed a man's ear off because he was doing wrong. No, we speak the truth in love. And a great yardstick for us all to remember, a great rule is how when I mess up, how would I like somebody to come and speak to me about my failure? And if we will consider that, we can then head to that person based on what we know about what love is and speak to that person the truth, but in love. So today and last week, we've looked at seven attributes of a person who lives with integrity. And there are probably way more attributes that you can study in the Word of God, but we've looked at seven to help us on our way. And so we're going to finish there today on those attributes, but I want us to just look at the benefits and the rewards that we have by being people of integrity. Have you ever thought that? That actually there are rewards for living an integrous life. So first of all, I want to say that one reward of integrity is that it pleases the heart of God. 1 Chronicles 29.17 says this, I know, my God, that you examine our hearts and you rejoice when you find integrity there. What an awesome thing to think that when we live with integrity, we are pleasing the heart of God. And you know, when we live with integrity, we are actually representing Jesus well. Because Jesus walked with integrity. So we are diffusing that aroma of Christ. We are showing people the transformation that Jesus has done in our lives when we walk with integrity. Secondly, another reward of integrity is that it causes us to have joy. Psalm 119 says this, Joyful are people of integrity who follow the instructions of the Lord. Joyful are those who obey his laws and search for him with all their hearts. They do not compromise with evil and they walk only in his paths. You have charged us to keep your commandments carefully. Oh, that my actions would consistently reflect your decrees. Then I will not be ashamed when I compare my life with your commands. As I learn your righteous regulations, I will thank you by living as I should. I will obey your decrees. Please don't give up on me. <laughs> oh, God knows that it's a challenge. And when we fall... He doesn't wipe us away and say, that's it, done with you, no. But he says, do you know what? When we choose to walk with integrity, we will be joyful. It makes sense really, doesn't it? 
How can we have joy when we live a double standard life? How can we have joy when we're dishonest? How can we really have joy when we're divided? How can we have joy when there's duplicity in our lives? We can't. But when we're integrous, when we're upright, when we're complete, when we're whole, when we are seeking to follow the decrees of God and follow after him, then we can have joy. The third thing I want to say about joy and its rewards is that, um, about integrity, sorry, and its rewards, is that it will direct us. Integrity will direct us. Proverbs 11.3 says this, the integrity of the upright will guide them. And Proverbs 10.9 says, people with integrity walk safely, but those who followed crooked, follow crooked paths will be exposed. We can have confidence and assurance that when we walk with integrity, that we are walking on the right path, that we are being guided. And the Bible says he leads us in righteous paths. That's the path that a person of integrity follows. It's a righteous path. It's not a path that follows our own way, our own intention that we looked at in Proverbs 14 that leads to death and destruction. No, the life of the integrous will be directed when we choose to follow and obey God's word for our lives. The fourth thing I want to say is that we will have be rewarded as a person of integrity with protection. Because in Psalm 25, 21, it says this, May integrity and honesty protect me, for I put my hope in you. And Proverbs 2, 7 says he grants a treasure of common sense to the honest. He is a shield to those who walk with integrity. Integrity will protect us. God shields those who walk righteously. And fifthly, it sets an example for others to follow. Proverbs 20 verse 7 in the Amplified says this, the righteous man who walks with integrity and lives life in accord with his godly beliefs, how blessed, happy, and spiritually secure are his children after him who have his example to follow. People are watching us all the time. Our children are wa watching us all the time. And when we walk with integrity, we are showing and we are setting an example in our homes of how to live. We are actually saying this is what being a Christian means. This is what being a follower of Jesus looks like. Yes, other people may be living, living differently. Yes, their standards may look different. But this is what the walk of the righteous, this is what the walk of the integrous looks like. And it has a big impact. So those are five rewards for living in integrity. And as we close today, I just want us to look back at that scripture we began this whole message, series of messages on in Philippians 2.15, where it says, 
live clean, innocent lives as children of God, shining like bright lights in a world full of crooked and perverse people. So in our, with our, in our families, amongst our friends, in our schools, our colleges, our universities, and in our workplaces, we can live clean, innocent lives when we allow God to work in and through us so that we walk with integrity. Living with God-like character, being the same person in public that we are in private, living out our faith, being true to biblical teaching, choosing to be real, to be honest, to be people of our word, to be people of strong convictions, to be people who speak well of others. When we choose to live like that, then that is when we shine the brightest. And it is a challenge because the reality is the world in which we live don't necessarily applaud those things. We probably know of many instances where we see people get above even though they've been dishonest and lied. Where we watch people climb the ladder even though they've stepped on somebody to get there. But that doesn't mean that that is the way that we walk. That does not mean that that is the way that we do things. No, the way that we shine, the brightest is not to be like others, but it's to be like Jesus. The way that we shine bright is to say, God, you work in me and through me and use my life to be a light. I want to live a clean and innocent life in the midst of a generation that is crooked, in the midst of a generation that's surrounded by darkness. Jesus, will you help me? And we looked last week at the life of David. Yes, he's failed. Yes, he messed up. But oh, he had that heart. Teach me your ways, O oh God, that I may walk in your truth. Give me an undivided heart. And that can be our prayer and our cry too, that God would change us from the inside out. And again, we are not doing this in our own strength. It's impossible. The standard is too high. God doesn't set standards based on our ability to attain them in our own strength. God set his standards according to who he is and according to what his word is. But when he sets the standard, he comes alongside and says, do you know what? I'm going to help you. You're not going to do this in your own strength, but I am going to give you the Holy Spirit to help you, to guide you, to lead you. And we know that it's the Holy Spirit that is at work in us, both to will and to do his good pleasure. All we have to do is heed his voice, not turn a blind eye when he speaks to us, but heed his voice and allow him to shape and mold us. And if we allow him to do that, he will lead us on an integrous path. He will lead us to be a light that shines in the darkness, pointing people who are searching to the Savior, our King and our Lord, Jesus. So this morning, I want you to be encouraged by the word. God has got great plans for you and I, and he wants us to live victorious the way that he has created us to be. He wants us to be conformed to his image. So let's each day Ask him to help us, to strengthen us, to lead and live a life filled with integrity.
you may be in here today and you've listened to the message and you're like, ooh, I can't live that way because I've never done the first step that you said. What's the beginning of living in truthfulness? It's falling in love with Jesus. Maybe you're here and you've never asked Jesus into your life. Maybe you didn't even realize that Jesus died for you because he loved you and that Jesus wants to help lead you in life. Well, if you're here today or you're watching online, there's only one way that any of us can live with integrity and that is by first of all accepting Jesus as our Lord and Savior. So why don't you pray and join me in a prayer to ask Jesus into our lives, into your life. And what I love about this prayer is it doesn't have conditions attached to it. God doesn't say, pray this prayer to me when you've sorted out your life. But he says, just put faith and trust in me. That's all he asks. He's not asking us to clean up our lives. Just place faith and trust in him. And then watch him help change and transform our lives. So why don't you pray this prayer after me and say, Jesus... Thank you for dying on the cross for me. I'm a sinner. I mess up all the time. And I need you to come into my life to be my Lord and my Savior. Thank you for dying on the cross for me. Thank you for, for forgiving me of my sin. And thank you for promising me that you'll never leave me, but you promise to be with me. I ask you into my life today, Jesus. If you prayed that prayer, you have made the best decision of your whole life. And my encouragement, our encouragement to you would be to find a church and get connected into that church. If you're local, we'd love you to join us. But honestly, this is a journey. Becoming more like Jesus is a journey. It doesn't all change overnight, although God does change us and he does change us um, and it, it will blow your mind what God will do but get into a church listen to the word of God allow the word of God to instruct your life and on your way out as you leave we've got Bibles we would love to give you one or if you're um, saying the prayer watching online why don't you message us and we will um, get something sent out to you well God bless you everyone